Welcome to another episode of We Only Pod When We're Winning. I'm your host, Paul. We'll be joined by Sean and John and a very special guest tonight, Simon Hill. The dulcet tones of Simon. We are We Only Pod When We're Winning. Another episode of We Only Pod When We're Winning, joined by Super Sean. We've got John and the dulcet tones of Simon Hill. He's um, blessed us with his presence. Thanks for coming on, boys. Pleasure. Good Absolute to be with pleasure. you. Good to be with you as always, guys. Thanks, Paul. Hey, Sean, and hello, Hi, Simon. John. Now, I think, um, I think we have to um, try and get one thing out of the way, Simon, if that's okay, and that's why you would follow Man City. Tell us about that journey, because it's uh, not many people we know who follow Man City. Well, it's quite straightforward, really. I'm from Manchester. Um, <laughs> I was born there. Uh, my dad was and still is a Man City fan. He, he only gave up his season ticket this uh, last 12 months because he's, he's getting to the age where he struggles to walk from the car park to the stadium. Sounds um, like my mum and dad at yeah. Ellen Road, Simon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, uh, my granddad was a City fan for all his life. And my great granddad played for them when they were Ardwick FC in 1892. So uh, it wasn't a case of me choosing my team. It was chosen for me. Like so many of us. uh, I was a firstborn son, so any teams my dad followed, I followed. So very similar kind of path for a lot of us. And Sean, I think you've got a bit of a connection with Simon, something to do with birthdays. Absolutely. We're in the uh, 1st of November 67 <laughs> club. And uh, actually, we we found out over the weekend, it was really exciting that Tina Arena is also part of the club. <laughs> so, doesn't, doesn't that age us, Sean? <laughs> absolutely. So so basically, what we're planning is me and Simon are going to be the like the backing singers, and Tina's going to do the singing in the middle. And uh, jobs are good, mate. Jobs are good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're going to get Tina playing a bit of Zeppelin. That would be pretty good. So, yeah, I'd love to hear Absolutely, that. absolutely. Well, I've got Kate Bush. Oh, so on the I, same day, same birthday as you, John? Oh, the same day of the year, but I claim her. Alan Lang is the only one who's on the exact same date as me. As absolutely. You, you two were separated at birth, weren't you, mate? Me yeah. and Alfie. <laughs> I don't think there could be two more polar opposite looking in any way, shape, or form. But just, just to back Simon up there, just to back Simon up on this on the supporting your team, Mark. It's uh, exactly the same with me with Leeds, and you know you're taking along there as a young boy. And I often remember that quote, famous quote by uh, Sir Bobby Robson. You know, you walk up the steps, you see the floodlights on, you see the green grass. That's it. You're hooked. That's it, baby. That's it's a done deal, isn't it? Done deal. Uh, when you first there isn't a choice. Yeah. I, was, no. I don't think there's a choice with the football team. Like Simon wouldn't doesn't not, probably doesn't know. I'm I'm a Newcastle supporter. I'm a Geordie, born and bred family. You don't sound like all a that. Geordie. And um, <laughs> well, I kind of need your money. Like, I've I've been here for a while, so um, it's it is what it is. It's it's always there, and I, and I love Gallenham. Like you know, but, tell you um, what, it's a wonderful tell, spot, and I love I'll the tell football you what, team. Close your eyes, Jimmy Nails in the room, isn't he? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I suppose I'm the uh, I'm the odd one out here tonight, boys. Obviously, um, born and bred Melbourne boy originally, and um, how I got into football, I actually have no idea. But I'm so happy I have. Um, now, 
some pretty. I know you get asked the same questions all the time, Simon. So it must be pretty boring for you. But best ground you've ever been to? Best ground, not not particularly for aesthetics or anything, but just for feeling. What's the best ground you've been to? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, I would have to say the Estadio Centenario in Uruguay. Uh, I was going to say that <laughs> for the for the qualifier. I thought you were going to go there. Two thousand and five. That would not because it was you know the most beautifully aesthetic stadium because it was basically falling down. But the noise inside yeah. of it, uh, you know, even two hours before kickoff, it was just astonishing. Um, I'll tell you a little story. So when Uruguay scored, obviously I was doing commentary for SBS in those days. Um, and at the at the back end of the game, I was uh, scheduled to do a cross with. Uh, via video link to, to Sydney. And I had a cameraman actually inside the tiniest little commentary room where I was doing the call. Um, and there wasn't <laughs> enough room for him to be in the, in the space and his camera. So he's sort of half in, half out of the room with the door open. And when Uruguay scored, uh, all I felt was the camera smashing into my back because he'd gone out <laughs> the back, shut the door and was shouting, go! <laughs> gola, gola, gola. Yeah. So yeah, that was terrific. It was a it was a fantastic experience that one. And that's uh, that's something the world game does give us over so many other sports is you know those crumbling stadiums, but the atmosphere and um, yeah, we're so lucky. And I hope I hope one day we can get back mm. to that in Australia. I really do. And that's why so many of us go to local grounds uh, to see the local football because. Places like Suncorp, uh, it's a beautiful stadium, but for football, the atmosphere just flies out the window. So I know, John, you and I disagree well, I think, on that. Uh, but I just, think for the Raw, it's much better at Redcliffe. I think uh, I think they'll get the joint rocking and uh, there'll be a few teams not, not keen on travelling up there, I'll tell you that for nothing. Oh, the only way that some fans can get there is if they've got Thunderbird 1, man. <laughs> it couldn't be further away. <laughs> Take the game away from the fans as far as you can put it. Pretty yeah, much. But, you know, yeah. can, can, I, can I just say something there? I look, I, I totally understand that it's a long way for a lot of Raw fans and they're going to be uh, irritated by it. But, you know, th- this is the first sort of manoeuvre in a long-term game to get a boutique stadium in Brisbane. And that's what's required because if they just stay at Suncorp for the next 10 years, what's the motivation for the, for the government to build it? Um, it, it, it has to be yeah. built. And at the moment, Suncorp, it's beautiful and it's a great stadium and it's wonderful for grand finals and massive games. But for regular Raw games, it's not good enough. And the pitch isn't good enough either half the time. So I, th- I think it's a good move. Mm. I understand that it's going to alienate some supporters, but it has to happen. Actually, we'll, uh, just, just, I'll just jump in here. We'll tell you this quick story, Simon, about when me, me and Paul were doing a bit of work for this radio show. And, uh, you know, the old Gold Coast United at, uh, mm-hmm. at the, at the, on the Gold Coast Stadium. We turned up there about two hours before the game. So there was literally, we had, you know, we, we opened the gates, basically. And, yeah. uh, and um, it was funny. We, we, we were just stood around in, our, in, in, in that. And uh, you, you remember this, Paul. They, uh, when, when one of the club officials came up to us and said, Hiya, lads. How are you doing? I says, oh, we're going good, thanks. Um, do you fancy being stretcher bearers today? Absolute truth. Not a word tell, of a lie. I'll tell you another a funny a story about Well, it wasn't funny at the time because obviously we, caught, we covered a lot of Gold Coast games when they were in the A-League. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a beautiful stadium, again, at, at Rabina, um train station next door. But if you went in by taxi, 
uh, which we often did because we used to stay in Broadbeach, they wouldn't let the taxi stop outside the stadium. They talk about jobs yeah. worth. Now, what were the crowds that Gold Coast got? 1,500 people oh, sometimes? Huge, huge. You know, there was, there was literally <laughs> nobody there, and the stewards would not let you stop. You had to drive, you know, 800 metres down the road. Absolutely ridiculous. No wonder people didn't want to go. Hey, the scary part was, Sam, and, and, and the 1,500 was over, overcooked. You know, that, yeah, probably. That, and I think you were included in that, and, and the yeah. co-commentator, you know what I mean? They counted both our legs. <laughs> do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the time? Uh, remember the time, Sean, um, that they tried to kick me out? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it was a place to go for uh, if you're feeling a bit down. You wanted to be. Uh, you wanted to. Be, you wanted to be by yourself. You could uh, always. <laughs> always... <laughs> Every time we went there, there was nobody. You know, yeah. No, literally one night we had a security guard, not for swearing, not for being aggressive, for being too loud. And he asked me to stand at the back of the stand or leave the stadium. Well, I think, so, I think, well done, Gold Coast United. I think the East Stand there was called the Robinson Crusoe Stand, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was called the no, Big I, Stand. He was the one making all the, all the calls about who Sean, could come you, in. You might remember this at the old main road. The hotspot was Main Road. <laughs> I, still, I'm st- I still have nightmares about that. still have there. nightmares about those alleys. Oh, well, man. When they, were to, back, when they were trying to. Back must side. Oh, when my they God. Were to, when they were trying to rebuild the stadium in, in the haphazard way that they did, uh, they stuck a little sort of corner stand, a temporary corner stand. <clears throat> and the City fans used to call it the Gene Kelly stand <laughs> because, because you were singing in the rain. <laughs> am, am I right, Simon? It, was it like, a, like one of the stands at QE2? You know, like one of those. Yeah. It, it looked like it, with, with a decent gust of wind, it could collapse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, they, didn't, they didn't rebuild Main Road very well, which is ultimately, of course, why they left. I mean, there was a, there was a grand plan at one, ta- at one stage. Franny Lee built this three-tiered massive kipax, which was a beautiful stand, yeah. but it looked totally at odds with all the others. And they planned to do the same and link all those stands up, you know, all four of them. But, of course, City in those days, they, just, they ran out of money. So they did a halfway house and did a sort of a half, a half stand at the plot line. <laughs> so, tell you what, I'll and tell it you just what. Garbage. Tell you what, Sam, there's some good days <laughs> on the Kipax, mate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, happy days they were. Yeah, Not I missed wrong. that. Not wrong. So, Sean, I believe you are, You wanted to bring up about the World Cup qualifier in 2005 and kind of crossover between Simon's experience yeah, and ours uh, on the Gold Coast. So we were in the Broad Beach Tavern, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've uh, frequented uh, occasionally, uh, Sam. Probably. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was it was on that fateful night. You know, what a what a great night that was. And uh, who, was, who was the comic, uh, Paul? I, Quite a I still have not comic, been able to find uh, like a name a of that Scotsman, comic. But... A, a Scotsman <laughs> slash Irishman, I think. And he was a ginger beard, tall fella. And uh, and, and he, he died on his ass because, <laughs> because we were we were like fixated with uh, your call on the uh, on the Uruguay game, you know. Oh, and, that's uh, nice to hear. Well this this po- I felt so sorry for him though. He, you know, you know, he literally died on his ass. And uh, <laughs> We were yeah, very I polite to him, though. We were very time, polite though. I think you were really polite to him, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, just just talking, just just because um, obviously we're of the same vintage, me and Sa- me and uh, Simon. Um, I, 
exactly I, I, I saw the same your thing. book. I, I was, I, I've read your book. Great book. Gob on a stick. Fantastic. Um, I think I said it to you, didn't I? You certainly did, mate. You certainly did. <laughs> so I'm pleased you read it. So, so we're square now. So we're square now. Uh, uh, and you know, and I couldn't agree more. You know, back in the day, Peter Jones and Brian Butler. Uh, you know, th- these were the days when there was not much football on TV, and and basically those guys' voices were they described the That's play right. so well, and and it was just a golden age of 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 you know those great those big European nights and mm. even those big boxing nights, you know, and, and uh, on Radio Two and uh, and and I think I think you know we were probably listening at the same time in terms of you know th- those and those guys were like legends in my eyes, and you you had the pleasure to meet. You, 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 did you meet them both, Simon, or was um, I, I it just Brian? Meet, yeah, I didn't meet Peter Jones, unfortunately. He he died. I think he died doing the boat race uh, in the early nineties. Uh, before I I was down in London or even worked for the BBC. But I did meet Brian Butler uh, right at the tail end of his career. I mean, he's golden passed, voice. passed away a, golden a long voice. time ago. Now. Yeah, lovely, uh, and a very mm. nice man, very polite man. Um, he, he was my commentary idol because he didn't overstate things and he just had this wonderful West Country burr. His R's just sort of rolled. <laughs> a bit like John Arlott, you know, yeah, in cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was it was beautiful. I used to love listening to him and Peter Jones in tandem on those crackly, you know, phone hookup lines on the big European nights before modern ISDN uh, uh, sinks and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that, it was sort of a different age, wasn't it? And, um, you know, when I started in, in radio, which I first started in, you know, our, our newsroom was full of the old clanky typewriters and, and literally landline telephones. So the technology has shifted. And, you know, going back to childhood again, not, not just listening to the games on the radio, but after after the match, I don't know if you had a pink in oh, Leeds. We, we had a green and we had a yeah, green and green that's right. Hey, I come out to Sheffield, didn't it? <laughs> Aye, it did, lad. Aye, it did. Um, and, you know, there are all these memories of, of growing up and, you know, going to get the Manchester Evening News pink final, the the, the ink was still fresh on the pages. And then listening to the, to the phoning about your team, I know, I know in Sheffield it was Brazer Grumble. You, you, uh, I, I, what did you say, Simon? You, you, you know, that you could, it was literally hot off the press. You could literally get yeah. ink, ink on your fingers, couldn't you? That's right, yeah. Happy days, mate. You're but, not wrong. Uh, You're everything, not wrong. everything changes. <laughs> And everything does change, but, you know, growing up in Australia, watching mm. football was pretty hard, Simon. We didn't get a lot of the games, but we did get BBC Radio, and, and, and we would stay up at midnight, and it would be all yeah. mates, Simon, a bed listening to football. And I actually really miss those nights and those mornings because it was just a different time. Um, and, you know, I, I think any Australian who went through that period, we have the romance. We heard the crowds. We, we, I'll tell you this. We wanted was to special. be there. So, football you know, I think that still carries because on. Because it was scarce. Unless you actually went to the grounds, there wasn't a lot of football on TV. So the, yeah, I think that the stars were, you know, the stars were a little bit more, I, I mean this in the nicest possible sense, remote, as in, you know, you idolised them because you didn't mm. know a lot about them, really, apart from what you saw on very small clips yeah. or when you went to see them live. You know, my, my hero, and Sean knows this, was Colin Bell growing up. And Colin was a hermit in terms of the media. He didn't do interviews, really. Um, and so you, you only got little snippets of them. And that sort of made him more mysterious in some ways. Whereas, you know, today we know everything yeah. and anything about uh, all, all the top sports stars, don't we? Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, I, I used much. to, I'm, yeah, sorry sure. to interrupt Paul, I, I, used, mean, to, I, I yeah. used to ring up the, you know, I don't know if you've seen that episode of The Simpsons where he rings the uh, NFL football uh, tipping line. I used to ring the Les Murray football <laughs> line when I first came <laughs> to Australia. And it was like, it was, it was a bit <laughs> like The Simpsons oh, yeah. uh, in the game of Sin, Sin, Atty. Versus, <laughs> you're paying about five dollars a minute or something. You know what I mean? And it's you paid for Les's extension at his place in Bondo. Absolutely. You know to get the results, though. You know, <laughs> welcome to the SBS football line. Yeah, and we're going to start with the Moldovan league. <laughs> Moldovan sec- second division. Second my division. It was. It was. Can I ask a question? My favourite commentator as a kid, my and. I came to Australia when I was about nine, and so I got used to staying up all night, um, and we'd watch games. And uh, before the World Cup feed became an Australian SBS feed, I just loved Barry Davis. I used to love when he was oh, yeah. calling games, and you know it sounded like they were like say in a phone booth. Um, did you ever uh, meet him? I didn't him? meet Barry Davis. No, uh, again, he was obviously a lot older than me. Um, I met a lot of the other. Uh, commentators and certainly the, the the current vintage, the Peter Drury's, John Champions, Steve Wilson, Sky Mowbray's, uh, mm. they're all guys that I grew up with at the BBC and later ITV. So I, I know all those guys pretty well. But no, the the, the guys of the previous generation, uh, the Gerald Sinstats, the Jerry Harrisons, although I have met Jerry Harrison on one occasion and Gerald Sinstat the same. Oh, yeah. um, John Motson I met once. Uh, but no, Barry Davis for some reason I never met. But I agree with you. It's, he had a terrific terrific um a, a terrific voice and almost uh, uh a narration of a game rather than a commentary yeah, I, agree. Uh, he, I thought he was mm. terrific but he, as i say he wasn't my favorite my favorite was was always brian butler because i was i was more fascinated with radio really than television uh because we didn't see too many games on yeah. telly yeah, that's exactly mm. right exactly right well i couldn't get radio uh of football so as Sean and Paul both know, I'm a radio nut for every other sport. But um, yeah. so I didn't get the unless we were back in in England or Newcastle for um, for Christmas, which we seem to be every second year. Um, and you know, you get to the BBC Radio and and listen to that. But here it was, I love Barry. I always remember him with his oh, well, magnificent. T- talk goal. about Barry Davis and talk guy. about Franny Lee. Obviously, one of his most mm. famous ones. Interesting. Very interesting. How good look is that? Look at his face. <laughs> just look at his face. Exactly. How good is that? Great lines. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Simon, what drew you to commentary? I know growing up, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family that loved all sports. So, they didn't discriminate. Um, they didn't understand why I loved the world game, but they, you know, they would take me. I tried to commentate games when I was growing up, turned the volume down, and I really struggled, and I still do. So what drew you, and what helped you develop? Well, it's a, it's a strange develop? story, really. When I came out of uh, a university, which was in 1990, I did a postgrad degree in journalism, but in newspaper journalism. I always wanted to write. <clears throat> Broadcasting was never on my radar at mm. all. Um, and it was I, I got my first break into the world of journalism by accident because in 1991 as Sean will remember uh, there was a massive recession in the UK and there weren't any jobs in journalism I applied for loads but I couldn't get anywhere because I had no experience or very little experience um, and so almost in desperation in mid-1991 I, I saw a job advertised in the graduate press uh, for a, a commercial copywriter which is basically writing adverts for a radio station I thought well look it's not journalism mm. but at least it's writing so I applied for the job 
they wrote back and said, no, I don't think you're quite suitable. But we see we've, you've got some you know, training as a newspaper journalist and you, you've written a bit of sport, which I had for the Portsmouth News. Uh, there's a job here as a sports reporter. Would you like to go for it? So, of course, uh, of course I did. So th- that's how I started. <laughs> Let me think about it. Let me think about it. <laughs> so that's how I started in the industry. And then I started obviously presenting on radio and doing the odd little snippet of commentary when I was at games. You know, if I, if I was doing live crosses into the mm. sports show, if, if there was a goal that happened whilst I happened to be live on air, I would commentate it. And then when I moved to the BBC in 1993, my first week, my producer, a guy called Guy Havord, who I'm still in touch with, still works for Sky in the UK. Legend. He said, legend, uh, legend yeah. of the game, mate. Legend. Of the game. Uh, he, he said, um, "Right, well, you're going to be doing commentary this weekend, Chelsea against Blackburn Rovers." And I said, uh, "You know, you know, I've never done a full match commentary." And he said, "Well, let's see if you can do it, shall we?" <laughs> so that was it. So my first oh, wow. ever commentary. I mean, some people start <laughs> right at the bottom, you know. I did Chelsea against Blackburn as my first ever live call in the Premier League in 1993. So, and obviously, you know, I must have done reasonably okay I think I think, I, I think I remember it Sam and I think it was box three to box four box six <laughs> <laughs> that was the 1920s right? <laughs> you know the story you know the story about that don't you back to square wow. you know where that saying comes from I'm Absolutely. sure you do from, from those commentary days wasn't it I think I believe. yeah the, the yeah. radio times in the 1920s when they first did live radio on, on the BBC because people they didn't think people would understand where the ball was so they had a main play by play commentator who was calling the names and his sidekick they gave away a free map in the Radio Times of the pitch and they were all divided into squares so when the ball went back towards the goalkeeper they'd say square two back to square one Go for it. Yeah, that's a true story. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah the, 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 the pitch was in two squares. And, yeah. and so about, people would know where eight, the ball was. was. Eight, eight and nine squares. Eight, yeah. Yeah, eight squares, I think it was. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. You've learned something new. <laughs> wow, I, I absolutely have. And I grew up, I grew up with an AFL, VFL background, so imagine how <laughs> many squares I would have used for that. Now, I'm going to try something a little bit difficult on you guys. and It's a segment that I'm going to call Keep cuddle or kick okay so i'm going to go one at a time with you guys you get to keep one of the uh topics i give you you get to cuddle the other okay. and you get to kick the other one out okay right, you... uh, welcome to our new section it is keep cuddle or kick we'll give you three options you get to keep one of them you get to cuddle one of them and you get to kick one of them out can explain whatever you want here. So I'll start with you, uh, John. Adidas, Nike, Puma. You get to keep one, cuddle <sighs> one, kick one out. I'll keep Adidas. I'll cuddle just Puma, and I'm going to thump Nike <laughs> out. <laughs> and there's all kinds of reasons, as you know. Uh, do no, I, I love it. You, you can explain it if you want, or you can just go with it, mate, whatever you want to do. Look, I'm looking up at my collection of Newcastle jerseys hanging up in my room here, and they stopped dead at Puma. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, I've got John, my John, ones. Can, can, oh, can, I've got my old... Can I yeah. just interject, John, because yeah. the, that sounded like you sat in your sure. bedroom with your train set, mate. You mean your garage? <laughs> I'm in my garage, just, yeah, and I've got my comfy slippers... Statement. 
I've got a little pipe going with some cap stand in it, and I'm just kicking back and uh, and you know I'll Good be luck. off I'll be Good off luck. to the pits Good in the luck. morning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, I I I still love Adidas jerseys, and um, I detest where Nike has taken stuff. And the Puma ones, I can't wear them because they're too thin. They're always designed for a looks like they're designed to be a, a stubby holder that small. Well, when, yeah, I won't go on about what it does to my uh, chest areas, but uh, uh, Sean, I'm going to go with uh, one for you, mate. Bosnich, Slater, Steel. <laughs> please, you didn't give that one to me. Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey well, please. I was going to. Kelsey, I was going please, to. I thought, no, Kelsey, don't be mean. Um, uh, Bozza Cuddle, because you've got to love Bozza. He's a good lad. He's a good lad. And um, what's the other two I've got to do? Just remember. Yeah, but what what are the other two? Slater and Kuehl. <laughs> You're Harry, well, you, mate. Come you've on. got a kick uh, and a kick. I wish you'd have put Craig Foster in there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cuddle Harry Kuehl as well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm a... No, no, no! You can only Go. use one of each. You can only really? use one of each, mate. Keep. A cuddle or a kick. I'll keep. I'll so keep. You've, uh, you've cuddled um, one. I'll keep Robbie and I'll kick Ari. But Ari was great for Leeds United as a young fella, and uh, and and as time goes by, my feelings are, are uh, uh, lessening. Uh, you, you know, my 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 uh, animosity towards him is, is lessening. But you know what? He was a he's a great player, great great player, and you know what? Um, he, he 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 didn't leave he didn't leave anything out on the pitch. He was he was he was he was tops and um, and uh, yeah, he was. So it's a tough one for me because obviously I've never heard you be so uh, never heard you be well, so tactical there. I, I, I love that one, Shawnee. Uh, just, just, just to quantify, <laughs> he, he, um, even Mickey Bridges, who was his best mate, he understands what the Leeds fans think about it. You know what I mean? It's it's not, and he he gets it, and and he's still his mate. We don't we would have to fall out with people. Do you know what I mean? But Ari, Ari, as far as Leeds fans are concerned, sold his sold his legacy, and and that's it. Well, over to you, Simon. We've got Fergie, Mourinho, and Klopp. You can keep one. You can cuddle one. You can kick one. Fergie, Mourinho, and Klopp. Thanks for those three. Um, <clears throat> I will. <laughs> He stitched his right up proper, hasn't he, Simon? I, I, will, I will keep Mourinho um, because I think he's good box office for journalists. Uh, I will cuddle Klopp yes. because even though I do not like Liverpool, I actually like Klopp as a man. <laughs> I think he stands for a lot of very good things. Super, um, super. He's, yeah, super. he's super. And, super. and, you know, he's, he's obviously got the respect of, of, of his players and he just seems, he seems like a good guy. I think he'd be a guy, you know, you could enjoy having a couple of yeah. beers with. And obviously I'm going to get, kick Fergie up the backside as far as possible <laughs> out of Manchester. And squeeze, it, and squeeze his big red <laughs> Squeeze his red outer. <laughs> Although to to be fair, you know he's, I'll, I'll he's give given you... us a couple of comedy goal moments. What, what did he say in 2010? City will never win the title in my lifetime. Yeah, well, how did that work out for you? Yeah, yeah, good on you, son. Good. On... <laughs> and and to and to be fair, I'll say it to my dying day, right? Oh, I won the league in 2013. He left that club knackered. That was yeah. an aging squad. And anybody who says otherwise is talking out their ass. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to throw this one out to the floor, okay? Ronaldo, 
Messi and De Bruyne. Keep, cut or kick. Ronaldo, Messi... Well, come on, I've got to go first with that one because obviously I'm going to keep and coddle Kevin De Bruyne. And make, and make, <laughs> and make sweet, sweet love. De Bruyne, love. sorry. And make sweet love with him. Um, I, I hmm. will keep... I'll keep Messi because obviously he's coming to City anyway. Um, and I'm going to kick Ronaldo <laughs> up the bomb because he's a poser. Great player, but he's a... And he Love played it, for United. Guys. Come on. Easy. <laughs> uh, okay, well... Uh, that was an easy one. I did throw it out to all of you, so we'll have to go back to one for you, Sean and John here. The Benabau, San Siro and Anfield. So you can keep cuddle kick any of these stadiums. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, well, number one, I'll keep San Siro because I've been there and even though it's falling apart, uh, on a, a night of the derby, it's probably the best football experience I had apart from the... 05 qualifier uh, with the Socceroos. And um, then, uh, is it Bernabeu, is it? Bernabeu. Uh, and Anfield? Something like yeah, that. Look, I'm trying to put my SBS voice on. <laughs> Bernabeu. Bernabeu. I'll tip them. I'll tip them. You've seen it. You, I'm trying to pronounce it correctly. The Bernabeu, I, I would, I'm going to flick the Bernabeu mainly because I hate Pepe. Yeah, he's a twat. <laughs> and um, I'll keep Anfield because I think I've had more, uh, not fun, um, I've enjoyed European ties there more than any other. And it's usually because I am actively hate Liverpool and I get to say the thing. You remember when everybody used to say, oh, my granddad would be like, if there's if there's an English team in the, in in Europe, we're all following them. It's like, well, no, I, I cheer against them. So, well, but I, it never works out. The, the, the only fun. thing I've got the nice subject is it wasn't much fun walking out the back of the away end down that narrow road down towards the buses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you fighting with everyone, Sean? Jeez, Sean. Sporting City. You, it, it was a really narrow at the back of that away end, and 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 uh, and you had to walk about half a. It felt like ten miles, but about half a mile to get to the to get to the buses. And it, sorry, which which one was this? Uh, one? Anfield, Anfield. Oh, you, Anfield. You know, you, when, oh, yeah. when you come out the back of the away end. Yeah. You, <laughs> no, and Anfield was. Did you find yourself out the back of the burn and buy you there, no, Sean, with say, the, like, a local say, lady? and in... Billy Jumbo on the Bill of Bio. <laughs> <laughs> Anfield was the place yeah. I, I saw the worst trouble ever. Oh, man, ever. scary. On, on, the, on the train back to Manchester. Bandit country. I, I, was, I was one of a handful of City fans who were on this train with a whole heap of Liverpool fans, um, which stopped off at every one of the, you know, six-fingered towns along the way. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and a City fan in the next... I, I'd covered up my collars. This is mid-80s. Uh, and I'd covered up my collars. only had a scarf. Because we didn't wear shirts in those days. We just wore scarves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, mm. and, the, and the City fan in the next carriage got his face slashed with a with a Stanley knife. Horrible. Eey. Horrible. You know, it's been all the movies uh celebrating that those kind of yeah. times and 
you know, growing up in Australia, we didn't see a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I, no I couldn't fun, imagine man. what you guys went through to, no just to follow your team. No. Uh, oh, to be fair, most of the time it was okay, but there, there were a, there were incidents, yeah. um, obviously more frequent than they are today. But by and large, you'll be the same, Sean. I went to thousands of games of football, and the the, the incidents of trouble really you could count well, it was all, fingers of one hand, unless you wanted it. In my yeah, you know, absolutely, hundred percent. In my experience, yeah. Sam, yeah. what it was. Uh, in in those times, you had the occasional day when it really kicked off. But other than that, it's like guys in uh, Pierre Cardin uh, dancing around their handbags, really, wasn't it, really? Yeah. You know? yeah, and trying to be hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Sean knows football trouble I ever saw was around and uh, was on a ferry back from um, Belgium uh, after um, Rangers had played Club Bruce. And uh, that wasn't a lot of fun. And I think everybody who drinking Belgian beers at 12% God bless the Belgians. for like three days. <laughs> yeah. And I was the one who got arrested. Well, I wasn't I, even to, at the to game. To be fair, if I was a cop, yeah. I'd have seen you. So, I'd yeah. myself like, you know. Other goalkeepers tend to do. And uh, that ball was played through to him. But here's Maradona again. And has for Chaga to his left, and Valdana to his left. He doesn't. He won't need any of them. Oh, you have to say that's magnificent. There is no debate about that goal. That was just pure football genius. And the crowd in the Azteca Stadium stands him inside one, away from another, and the coolness under pressure to play the ball home with the side of his foot. <laughs> no, no, John, Johnny's like now, um, guys. It's been, it's been, as we know, it's been a, a one of the weirdest. I don't want to say surreal. That word's been used over and over. It's been a very strange year, twenty uh, twenty. Are you guys getting used to the EPL and the championship with the artificial noise and everything no. like that? Like, how's it feeling to you right now? It's shite. I don't like it. I don't like. I, I, I wouldn't. Like it. I wouldn't use the word surreal. I'd use the word shite. <laughs> Such a such a Dead Yorkshire pickle. word, though. Shite. <laughs> it is, though. You're right. It's um, it, it doesn't feel the same. The, I mean, the can crowd noise helps a bit, but uh, this is this is not proper football, is it? But it's what else can they do? That uh, they have to play it like this because at the moment, clearly in the UK, it's just not safe enough to do anything else. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, no. But in, in saying that as well, you know, a lot of talk has been around, you know, the, the big six and, and um, they're talking about the big six in, in England, but there's also, you know, the team, the, the big two in Spain and a few in Italy and so forth talking about basically a Super League. But we really have... So what's this with Leicester and Wolves and all that, man? You're not in it. But we have the Champions League, you know, fairly regularly anyway. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on any kind of breakaway and the goodwill that those clubs may have... Um, have lost in, in the process in the last month or two. Absolutely disgraceful what they're doing. Terrible timing. In the, in the middle of a global pandemic, they're trying to make a, a grab for power and money and influence and basically cut off the rest of football in order to line their own pockets. And I include my own club in this. I think it's an absolute mm. disgrace what they've tried to do. Um, it, sh- it won't succeed, I hope. It shouldn't succeed, and if it does succeed, football as we know it is finished. 
And and I think on that point, Simon, if if those big clubs in England can can find a way of making <laughs> Mike Ashley look yeah. good, which they've done in the last couple of weeks, that's almost yeah. impossible to do. Um, and I just I, I watch it and I look at it and I, and because we both follow uh, American football as well, I get the vibe that the American owners are trying to do what they can't do in the NFL, which is to completely take you know, over well, that, that's and the, dominate that's revenue streams for themselves. There, the NFL, because I can tell you, this is what they're trying to model the Premier League on. Absolutely. They're trying to make the product so elite, mm. so sort of scarce to everybody else that that's where all the money goes to. And they, we're already seeing at, at the other end of the scale the likes of Berry. Macclesfield, Wigan nearly followed, Bolton mm. the same, Southend are in trouble. You know, all those lower league clubs are in desperate straits, particularly now thanks to COVID. And for them to do it now at this point in time, rank. What a disgrace. Yeah, rank, absolutely. And and, and just, just funny, you mentioned the NFL. You know, there's been talk in the last four or five weeks that the 49ers are trying to ex- that they already own 10% of the lead. That they're, they're looking to whoop it to 25%. So yep. that that would back up that 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 narrative, you know, certainly would. The American owners, though, that, that what's funny that, that that is that they are they're, they're not allowed to, and there's no club allowed to make more revenue than any other, mm. and. Um, and that's across their 32 teams. And I just it strikes me that the Glazers and Cronky um, and guys like that who are used to being, I don't know what they call them, you know, emirs of business are probably the wrong term because the emirs are in other places, but those bosses of business, yeah. um, they want it all to themselves. And, and, and long may it be that it well, can, can, doesn't happen because can you, you remember? Know, can you remember I mean, Simon, just unbelievable. When we were sort of late twenties and what have you, that you know Wimbledon got into the first division, and they were knocking seven colours of you know what out of out of the supposed big names, and they'd literally come from non-league. They played. Well, that's what they don't want, Sean. They played Leeds in, they, they played don't. Leeds in the cup in nineteen seventy. Yeah. We were champions of England. They played Leeds in the cup, and we had to beat them in a replay. And then yeah. thirteen years later, they won the FA Cup. And they're in, and and eight and nine years later in the first division. Unbelievable. Well, that's, what they, that's what they don't want. And you have to look at this in historical context. So, if you remember back when we mm. were growing up as kids, the, the home gate used to be divided two thirds for the home team, one third for the away. And that was a way of, you know, if you were a small club that went to Old Trafford, you get a big financial in the cup, in the cup, yeah, now, and the cup and, and everything else. So they changed that. That was the first piece of the. The, the pie that they removed. Then along came the Premier League, which, of course, you know, got, got more money for the top clubs. Then, if you remember, the G14 pushed for the European Cup to become the Champions League with the group stage so they could mm. get more money. And then they brought in financial fair play to try and stop clubs from the outside to, to, to get into that elite group to... You know, they essentially try to ring fence the money. Yeah, close shop. And, beca- close and because shop. City and Chelsea and others and PSG have found a way around that by getting the sugar daddy, now they're trying to get the Super League. This this is a an, an escalating financial war to try and ring fence all the cash that is in world football, and it's an absolute disgrace. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. Totally agree. Can I ask you a quick question, Simon? Just change changing tack. Changing tack. 
Sean, can you actually ask? Yeah, well, I'll uh, do my best. Mate. I'll do my best. Can, can you, you give us an insight man. into those ITV sports days? Uh, obviously, they paid us. You know, they paid like three hundred and fifteen million and everything, and they yeah. sold the family silver to get the rights and all that. And and it, it must have been an incredibly crazy time. But obviously, the, you know, as as Tommy Doc said, you know, as one door opens, another one slams in your face. You, you, you <laughs> yeah. inadvertently led to you go, coming over here. So, could you give it's us true. a brief insight into that? Yeah, look, it was it was an interesting year. Um, I'd been at the BBC for nearly a decade, and I, I got approached and asked would I be interested in joining this new ITV Sport channel. And of course, this was right at the height of uh, you know the, the football bubble in the UK, where everything football touched turned to gold. Um, or green, anyway, in terms of money. So ITV went into it with the best of intentions. It was a Carlton and Granada joint venture. They put a lot of cash into it, and it was thought that they would, hmm. you know, not only succeed but also maybe challenge Sky for, you know, hegemony in, in the pay TV market. The problem was is that they had uh, second tier rights. Championship was the best level of football they had, and this was the first signal that you know people weren't just going to pay through the nose for something that wasn't you know, the, the, the very top brand of football. Um, and also the fact that their technology was very poor. They tried to sell a second set-top box to people who already had one with Sky. Uh, so that didn't work either. Uh, and it became clear to us working there very early on that they were going to have to either remodel the, the thing completely or it was going to go, uh, you know, bust, basically. Now, Sky, to be fair, played a very ruthless, brutal game, which... It was no surprise to hear. Um, and, of course, that the key to it all was that ITV had, had shelled out this $315 million, uh, pounds, which, uh, you know, clearly even 12 months later looked overpriced by about $215 million. <laughs> So, you know, it, it, was a, it was a nightmare for us because we were in the middle of it and we were getting the abuse from the fans. I remember one time I went to West Brom near the end of the season and by then it was quite clear that you know the, the thing was a sinking ship and and the fans were literally throwing stones at our vans and we were inside them you know wearing, wearing all the itv branded clothing thinking shit we've got to come out and face these people in a minute. <laughs> uh, uh, and we were the poor brothers who were losing our jobs at the end of it you know um so it was it was a <laughs> how shall i put it a learning curve and you know from 12 months uh, one one year to the next, you know, I left BBC thinking, brilliant, I'm going to this fantastic new place and this is my home for the next 10, 15 years or whatever. And then I was out of work um, 12 months later with a lot of other people and a lot of them actually never worked in broadcasting again. So that's how brutal it was. I was lucky, really, because I got a second chance and I, you know, came over to Australia and, uh, you know, rebuilt my career over here. But at the time, of course, I didn't know that. Um, but, yeah, it was... It's, you know, obviously it's an experience that you, you try and learn from. Um, in hindsight, would I make the same decision to go there again? Well, of course not, but I didn't know that at the time. So It's all part of life's rich tapestry. Yeah, right? that's it. That's it. Uh, I've got a question for you too, Simon, because obviously, hmm. you know, I mean, we're all being nuts for football uh, for our lives. Live in Australia, we watch it on telly. But I've got a memory, and, and you can confirm it or tell me I'm wrong. The 2005 yep. Ashes Cricket yeah, Series, right. you were anchoring that first BS, is that right? And I remember you made a statement, you said, quite possibly the greatest sporting contest in the world right now <laughs> is happening right here. Yeah, and, probably. Okay, uh, would that be that, correct? It's entirely possible. 
Talk about crazy things. Um, that that's probably the best cricket series I've ever. And um, me and Sean are nuts for cricket. We played all our lives, and I know Paul's into it. Just, just and that was thing. the greatest cricket series ever. And just yeah. and there you are, anchoring little old SBS. Grappenall Cricket Club, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Simon. What about that, mate? What about getting <laughs> yes. a, what about getting a cap and uh, uh, for Lancashire, mate? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I played county cricket when I was a, a schoolboy. I was actually t- I, I used to train down at Lancashire twice a week. Wow. I was a leg spinner, actually, Shane Warne style. Um, but that was only till I was about fifteen, sixteen. Look, I, I always loved cricket. <laughs> I loved playing it. Um, I didn't have it in my DNA in the same way that I had football. So when it came to a choice, yeah. and I used to commentate on cricket during my BBC radio days, but, and I still love the game now, but uh, I never had that passion for it in the same way that I did for football. But that series, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I got very lucky with that series because SBS had auditioned, I think, three hosts. I was, I was happily working away as you know part of their football crew. I, I was really paying no attention to what they were doing with the Ashes. I knew they had it. Um, and they, I think they auditioned three different presenters, and for whatever reason, they weren't happy with any of them. And I got a call one day from Ken Ship, who was then the head of sports, and he said, do you fancy hosting this, the Ashes? And I was like, what? I, I, I'm a football man. And he said, yeah, I know, but you hmm. could do it if you brushed up on it. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. And to be honest, I wasn't that keen at the time because I remember thinking I was pretty new to Australia. I was still very recognisably English. Um, and I thought, how are the Aussies going to react to having an Englishman? So go on, Freddie. Go on, Freddie. <laughs> you know, the asses. Uh, but, of course, as, as it turned out, it, it, was, it was the Can't best to get back series back. ever. And, and it did wonders for my profile. And then, of course, on the back of that, literally a month after, we had the Uruguay game in Sydney. So, you know, th- those two massive events yeah. sort of really launch my career properly in Australia. So I got very lucky, really. Did Robbo work, did Robbo work on that with you? Uh, uh, no, cool. he didn't at the time. We, would, uh, we had the studio hosting, but the, the main pictures came from Channel 4 in the UK. We had, I think, Michael Slater was over there for us before he joined Channel 9. We had Rodney Hogg, as I remember. Um, Simon Hughes was doing... Yeah. Um, his analysis stuff, but but yeah. we we did our own hosting in the studio with me, uh, the now sadly departed Dean Jones, and uh, and Greg Matthews, and it, it was an absolute blast. Yeah, and, God uh, love him. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Simon, we, we we all obviously love football, and we've got other things in our life. I believe you might have a tiny modicum <laughs> of uh, musical talent. You want to yeah, tell us a little well, bit I about that? I can tell you that I actually played a gig last night. So I played drums in a heavy metal cover band. Um, I'm massively into heavy metal, always have been all my oh, life. No. Um, and we played the, a gig last night at Kelly's on, uh, Kelly's on King in Newtown in the inner west of Sydney. And we had, let me tell you, the worst gig we ever played in our lives last night because <laughs> we had a sound engineer who didn't know what the hell he was doing so we just had reverberating feedback throughout the whole uh, pop throughout our entire I, set i think he's working oh, i think he's working no. on this show so sorry. Uh, it was a doing. disaster yeah so, yes so i'm uh, doing classic, classic new wave british of british metal, metal or so other Iron stuff Maiden, judas priest motorhead a uh, little bit of sex pistols but yeah oh. that stuff Sam, we got <laughs> Saxon. We got a little bit too much in common, my friend. I saw live in 1984 at the Manchester Apollo. Loved them. Wow, 
Well, wow. I think we have thrown a little bit of um, uh, re- reverb <laughs> on this podcast for whatever reason. It's giving it a bit of a kind of 1970s radio feel, so I'm enjoying that. What other interests do you have outside of uh, music and, and um, football I'm, there, I'm very much into political history, uh, particularly the Second World War. I love documentaries about that era. In fact, any sort of documentaries. I'm currently uh, working my way through a brilliant series, true crime series on uh, Netflix called The Staircase. I don't know whether you've, you've watched that. A, a lo- That's right, yeah. But I yeah, like, that's I like the American about, thing, isn't it? Uh, um, yeah. uh, countries, histories, uh, um, not just European, yeah. but particularly how it relates to politics. Um, you know, the the old East Germany fascinates me, for example. Mm. North Korea fascinates me. Mm. I don't know why. I'm a bit of a weirdo. But were we, were we separated at birth, Sam? I think we were 20s, <laughs> mate. I think we were 20s. I think we must have been, yeah. We were 20s. But, Apart from you being on wrong side at Ben Irons, like, but as your career, Simon's <laughs> like, do you find yourself thinking like you want to be like a Dan Snow and do some like, uh, you know, narration or do a, you you want to walk across oh, I'd love Britain to and follow St Cuthbert or do yeah, anything like that? Um, like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's you know, football does take up an awful lot of time. Um, obviously, I'm in a sort of slightly changed career circumstances at the moment. But strangely enough, that's given me even less time because I'm, you know, I'm so busy uh, hunting for work and, and having meetings and doing all sorts of things that it seems I've got even less time to devote to reading and, and watching those sorts of docos. But I'm sure it'll come back, particularly as I'm getting old. So I'll have my retirement to do it, I hope. <laughs> well, Simon, um, we were, I was talking to a few people at work who know I do uh, a number of podcasts and I said oh they were asking me about this week and I said oh look we've got Simon Hill and I didn't, I've got to be honest with you mate I didn't think mm-hmm. the girls and stuff at work would know who you oh, are that's nice to hear. everyone knew who you were so that's huge testament to you so that's just p- wanted purely, to let you know that today I work for a council oh. so. <laughs> <laughs> it could also be they might have got it mistaken I know there's a Simon Hill who does <laughs> vegan cooking topless, so they might have thought it was that guy <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm hey, a high hey, school Simon, teacher, and none of the girls know who you are. There, mate. Here, mate. Would, would you come on again at some stage? Yeah, of course I will. Yeah, that's fantastic, mate. Because I think we're just scratching the surface here. You know what I mean? So, it might be one or two more topics. Absolutely. Yeah, we, I think we've got a fair few. We we really appreciate your time, Simon and uh, Sean and John. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. I must let you guys know that uh, Simon, if you ever want to come on a podcast, we do about almost every sport in the world. We literally touch almost any sport. Okay. We'd love to have you on that one as well, mate. So no problem. Guys. Really appreciate your time you. tonight. Cheers. See you later. Thanks, Helen. Simon. See you guys. Ta-da, All mate. Take Ta-da. care, mate. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, thanks for joining us on another episode of We Only Pod When We're Winning. You can find us on Facebook at We Only Pod When We're Winning. You can find us on the Love Sport Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Paul, your host. You can get me at Twitter at Paul underscore football. We were joined by John, and John's at Lambic Peach on Twitter, and also Sean at Hunslet White. And you will definitely be able to find Simon Hill all over social media. What a brilliant occasion to be able to speak to him. We are we only pod when we're winning. Jay Hill. Aloisi. The Duke is in an offside position. Aloisi might go on his own. Aloisi!